Welcome to Material, a show all about the Google universe. We are at episode 98, people. I'm Russell Ivanovich, app developer. And I'm Andy Anako, tech columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. And we're here to bring you another episode of Material. This almost sounds scripted, Andy. I think we've we've gone over the top, but it's good. I love well, it. Well, that, 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 that only indicates the level of professionalism we've achieved in only just shy of 100 episodes. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, it's like you're having a significant birthday, right? It's coming up to your – if you're really young, it's like your 21st. That was a long time ago for me, though. Your 40th, your 50th, your 60th, whatever you're looking forward to, it's our 100th birthday coming up, Andy, in just two episodes' time. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like I'm that much closer to death. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm feeling it. I got up this morning. I'm like, oh, it's hard to get out of bed. It's, it's hard. 98. 98 is a big milestone. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, really, it really is the time that like either the producers of the show start like saying, ooh, that guy with the sideburns are pretty gray. Should we, should we fire him and go for a younger demographic? Or the, the, the production company will say, we have 100. That's enough for syndication. I don't care that uh, it's, it's still number three in the rankings. Let's just cancel it and cut our losses. We, we've crunched the numbers. Australians down, sideburns down. We're looking for a different demographic. <laughs> Well, fortunately, uh, we're in a, uh, we're in a position where neither of us has anything better to do. At least not at this time uh, on a th- on a Tuesday. So we we may as well. I mean, if we're going to be muttering around the house about what's going right and what's going wrong with our uh, Google uh, Google services and Android devices, we may as well help uh, advertise products while we're doing it. Oh, look, I agree with you one hundred percent. We probably shouldn't have told the listeners that though. We we are committed. We're dedicated. We're here just for you. We, this is this is not the only thing we've got going. We're we're so excited to be here. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Does that sound yes. convincing enough? I think it was. I I, I wish that we could release the Skype feed because boy, did you look convincing. <laughs> I have my convincing cats. face on. Yes. So here you go. We should tell listeners uh, next week is obviously Google O. Huge, huge news uh, for anyone sort of interested in the, the Google thing. That is the, the yearly keynote where they announce all, all the great things and we get to mull over them. Um, we will be recording live-ish from the Google campus. So we have yet again booked booked a secret room on the Google campus that we can record <laughs> episode 99 in. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it will come out. Hopefully fairly soon after the keynote we'll have to coordinate on timing and stuff. But that's that's going to be super exciting, Andy. Yeah, it looks like we got some really cool episodes coming up. I I might just still uh, I I still have like all these like air miles in my account and the problem of that is that it means that at any given moment I could just simply decide it would only cost me like a third of my air miles if I did. It turns out that the the stuff that I thought I'd want to be home for during Google I.O. I don't need to be home for. And I I have friends I could stay with on two days notice. I could probably fly out there and it wouldn't cost me much money. So for, for now, I don't think I'll be at Google I.O., but it would be lovely if I could go to Google I.O. So maybe I'll it, – it depends. If, if after the show you're telling me that the secret location is actually Sergey's like inner office, that he's going to be playing Ms. Pac-Man on his Ms. Pac-Man machine, set on mute. And then afterwards, we're going to get some pad tie together. I would definitely be willing to. That would be worth thirty thousand of my air miles. So definitely, well, Andy. I believe we have someone on the inside. We we won't mention her name. Let's call her Yasmin E. No, that's too obvious. Let's call her Y. Evian. Uh, you know, seek secret sort of contact on the inside. I believe we can get free food on the campus as, as well as well, a room. So uh, let's go for let's go for the double bluff and say it is Yasmin. <laughs> Uh, that <laughs> oh, they'll like think it. that they wouldn't be so obvious, obvious if they were actually true. Yeah, but yeah. At, then after that show 100, and if any, uh, we're, we're we're trying to figure out what we want to do for show number 100. Uh, we have already discussed it and decided that it's not going to be the sad. We're ending the show. At, this is a good number to go out on. 
other than that, it's pretty much up in the air. I have decided that for the third time in the history of the show, I am going to pull my hilarious, hey, look, everybody, I bought you all a cake. Here, you can have a piece <laughs> if you come over here. And that way I wind up having a delicious like bakery cake to eat for two days uh, or three days. Well, look, who am I kidding? One day. Uh, other than that, so if anybody has any suggestions as to what they would like to hear on their hundredth uh, on our hundredth show, like birthday requests, any songs, anybody that you want killed, we won't kill them, but we'll definitely let that person know that that's how you feel about them. Just the, the special things I think will mark the occasion, give it a sense of uh, of majesty. <laughs> and if if your suggestion happens to be Russell, you should fly out for a surprise trip to Boston. I'm not that successful an app developer yet. We're not we're not we're not quite at uh, you know surprise international flights at uh, at a moment's notice. Also, I should warn you, Russell, that uh, I'm not uh, as you can see th from the video th from those shows. Uh, I was not kidding about having purchased and decorated a cake. I was kidding, however, about sharing it with you, even if you were here present. It would be all for me. Oh. Oh, that's harsh, Andy. That's harsh. It's good cake. Let's 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 try let's try this segue again. We hundred episodes. We still are working on our segues. I'm just so stressed out over uh, my, this worrying about how I'm going to get to Google I/O or if I'm going to get there and miss something, and what we're going to do for uh, for the hundredth episode. If only there were like an omnipresent device that could help me out with that. Oh wait, uh, how about this? Hey, Google, help me relax. Here's the sound of a fireplace. Ooh. Yeah, that's that's not very relaxing because now wanna, I'm like trying. You might want to check on your Note Seven. I think it was somewhere on your desk, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> See, exactly. That uh, crackling fireplace is <laughs> nice so long as you're not worried about something being set on fire. But there's a, but there, there's also. Uh, so yeah, so Google Home now has these like relaxation uh, tracks that will play. On fire in the background. But you, exactly. Now, but, you, but you can also do you can also do like. <laughs> hey, what other ambient sounds do you know? That's a tough one. Let me tell you that. <laughs> No, I guess I guess my office really is on fire. <laughs> you can try the help okay, me relax one again. Surely we can get we can get something yeah. better. Hey, stop. Okay. Uh, hey, play outdoor sounds for an hour. Okay, here's the album Three Hour Natural Meditation, relaxing music for meditation and yoga on Google Play Music. Okay. I'll... Wow, we've gone somewhere else now. <laughs> See, now, now I'm thinking about how much is this like spa day going to cost me? Okay, what what's supposed to happen is like the the, the previous the previous Best times I tried I that. Ever. So there's supposed to be relaxing sounds. Here's the here's the here's the list. If you say let's let's try it again. Hey, what ambient sounds do you know? I don't really know. Well, I do. Uh, according to the list here, it's they're named relaxing sounds, <laughs> nature sounds, water sounds, running water sounds, outdoor sounds, babbling brook sounds, country night, oscillating fan. I was looking forward to the oscillating fan. Fireplace, forest, ocean, rain, river, thunderstorm, and white noise. See, this is this is making me stressful. I can't get this damn feature to work. Hey, 
Play relaxing ocean sounds. This is the sound of an ocean. There you go. I'm on a boat. It's a stormy night. There you go. Hey. Play oscillating fan sounds. Okay, playing the album Oscillating oh, Fan Sounds. I think I, think I, I think I think I got it. You have to say relaxing. Hey. Play relaxing oscillating fan sounds. Playing the album Oscillating Fan Sounds. Okay, we'll do we'll do one more try. Whoever made the That's album Oscillating Fan Sounds is making a mint right now. Oh, Sent for every play. Yeah, well, see, I'll, I'll you, you get the idea. But it worked. It worked like uh, an hour and a half ago, where I just said, "Hey, help me relax," and it just played. Like, Here's what a fireplace sounds like. Because <laughs> the last t- the the other two times I tried it, it was playing like like really lovely like thunderstorm sounds, which is nice, especially relaxing if you're inside and the thunderstorm is outside, which is where thunderstorms belong, unless you're. One of those cartoon people who lives under a cloud, or your Thor, or Storm. Mm. But or, it's, or you're it's all of the above. Pretty... I think I'm going to go out on a limb here, Andy. I think Google's trying to send you a message. Every time you've asked it to help you relax, it plays you fire sounds. I think they're coming to burn down your house. Hmm. Seems like more of a Kindle Fire thing. I don't know. I, I have to. I have to suss it one more time. Just one <laughs> more time. Knowing that we can edit this stuff out, I just want to say, hey. Play ambient outdoor sounds. All right, here's ambient nature sounds on Google Play Music. I don't think you're doing that right. Okay, that'll work. Tell me that this isn't so, the most relaxing show you've ever listened to, dear listener. Come on. Well, you're not, you're not listeners, you're not the ones trying to get this the device to do what's supposed to be doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to leave the nature sound so maybe my blood pressure will be down to a normal level. And also we can pretend we're, we're, we're I'm broadcasting from Lake Wobegon. Yeah. And take this, yes, man. You thought your intros were good. Ours are so much better. Everybody loves it. Um, Andy, I will say uh, there's been some people contacting me this week as well, again, about the Google Home. Um, I think two shows ago I said I'd set my language to US English and that's how I managed to get the multi-user stuff. Um I don't know if I'd done that. It still works in the iOS app. I don't know how many of you have that. It doesn't appear to work on Android anymore. So I don't know if they've patched that or I did in the iOS app in the first place. But now if you go to the Android app and you're not obviously in the US, you set your phone to US English and you get all excited, I'm going to get multi-user accounts. It doesn't work anymore. I'm sorry to report. So you have to, mm-hmm. you have to flag down you know, someone with an iPhone or an iPod and, and try and do it in their app. <laughs> yeah, internationalization is, is a real weird one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and also I guess importing products that aren't meant to be in your country. I always get that warning every single time I set up my Google Home. It's like this was not designed for your Wi-Fi networks, which I assume means they haven't gone through all the various certification that you need for you know Australian wireless standards and whatever. So I could well be I don't know destroying the uh, network infrastructure around me. We can only hope. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what soothing sounds it would play to say. Hi, the international authorities have been called. Here's some here's some ocean sounds to listen to while you await the, the, the crunch of winter, the crunch crunch of, of of wood splinters on the outside of your door, following by a lot of shouts and the smell of tear gas. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
So do you think this is any indication of what's coming next week from the Google Home team, Andy? Because this seems like a really solid implementation with no bugs whatsoever. <laughs> as as usual, it's, it's like there's uh, all you got to do is have this thing not work the first time the way that someone expects it to. It'll be just just like the first time that you could do like set up appointments on Google Home and with the assistant. But you have to make sure you don't do it the way that if I have a quirky way of saying hi, let's set up an appointment like the, like so. So long as you learn the ways that it doesn't work and not do it that way, I'll say I'll say that. I also, uh, it's I love this I love this new feature. It's cool. I was relaxing again a couple of hours ago with the ambient thunderstorm. That was great. But also. Uh, I have in the bedroom. I, I have the Google Home, and I also have the I also have the uh, the Amazon Echo. And sometimes uh, I have to say that uh, the Echo is still my first go to when I want to turn lights on and off, and when I want to set alarms and stuff like that. But when it fails, I will then it's it's like Jeopardy. If they get if it gets the answer wrong, then you go to the next contestant, which is Google Home. And so it was the only one. Well, let's see, let's let's tempt fate and say. Hey, stop. It was still playing the, it's still trying to relax me. Here we go. Hey, <laughs> what are the dates of Comic-Con International in 2017? 2017 Comic-Con International, San Diego begins on Thursday, July 20th, 2017 and ends on Sunday, July 23rd, 2017. Yeah, see, in the summer, there are like two weeks that I know that There'll be a combination of I won't be available and people I want to meet with or talk to won't be available. One is uh, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference. The other is San Diego Comic-Con. And so whereas uh, Alexa did not know when Comic-Con was, as you can see, it's, so we're, <laughs> it's I, I kind of like to have them play, pitting. That's like having like two children and you don't want to say one of them is better than the other. You just want to pit them against each other so that a it will keep them like fighting for your favor and also if they're fighting each other they won't turn against you that's, which would end in that's my parenting strategy andy it always has been i found personally that the google home is generally better at looking up information like you know comic-con wwc stuff like that the amazon echo appears to be way better at hearing you it's just got sort of better microphones in there but i have to ask there's a whole bunch of rumors at the moment that um you know microsoft just come out with with their their voice in a can that they teamed up with someone with um there's rumors amazon is making one with a screen there's rumors apple is making one and potentially theirs has a screen as well do you think do you think putting a screen on these things would make them better or worse well, uh, Amazon actually announced theirs, or at least in the U.S. today, so you can pre-order it. It's not going to ship for like another month or so. Uh, but it's it definitely puts a twist on it. Uh, Amazon was being really specific about why this thing has a screen. That if you, we, I know that it, the that uh, the Echo works great for home automation stuff. It really it is my go-to thing for turning lights on and off and locking doors and stuff like that. But it also will tap into if you've got. Uh, like a, a ring doorbell that has a camera in the doorbell or if you've got like uh, home security cameras or, or nest cameras it's nice to be able to be able to say hey hey uh, hey Alyosha, let me look at the front door and suddenly it's giving you live feed from the front door if you just you heard a truck you don't know if it's the fedex guy uh, or not if you if you need to like suddenly get your shoes on and pull up your pants uh because you're, you're still in bed and it's 11 a.m uh also they're trying to make a, a point of how uh point-to-point -point calls between two of these devices where there 
instead of having just messaging going on, you can just say, I want to talk to so, so-and-so that's in your address book. And if they also have an echo, you can it'll immediately just start a voice call between the two of you. And if you've got two of these new devices that have the have the video on the screen, you have a, an immediate one-to-one uh, video call. That's You don't have to take out your phone. You don't have to activate a camera. You don't have to do anything. They just sort of work. And given you can think of people at immediately people at both ends of the age spectrum, where if these people are in your life, if you've got uh, kids, uh, whether it's a baby in a crib or like kids in the rec room that are you've told them that they're old enough that they don't need supervision playing down there with their friends. But you would still like to say, hey, Alyosha, let me look in the rec room right now <laughs> to, to wonder why there was a lot. There, there was a lot of a lot of laughing and then a loud thump and then like a lot of like no shh. Like okay, we're definitely taking we're definitely taking a look here. And also, if you've got like an elderly relative that you would like to, you you texted them, you call them, and it's unusual that you didn't get a response for the for two days. And if you already have, if if that relative has said, okay, it's all right for Andy to be able to peek in on me uh, uh, on demand, then I just want to activate the camera and the microphone and just make sure that. Okay, she just went she went on vacation or something. She's not you know, in trouble. I don't need to send uh, send authorities out there. So it's 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 interesting because if there are folks that uh, I certainly am definitely predisposed towards buying more uh, more Echo devices. I have two in the house right now. If I need if I felt like this was a good sort of thing to have, I would be very much inclined to make it an uh, make it an Echo device uh, with with video. Um, I'm not sure that Google could make it just as easy or apple could make it just as easy uh microsoft apple and microsoft have it worse because they just don't have any sort of devices like that to begin with although apple's apple's got siri and they could say oh we're going to take siri out of these thousand dollar devices and we're going to instead uh put it into this probably eight hundred dollar device that's more consumer oriented (laughs) crickets yeah I agree. I'm just looking up the the Echo Show. I didn't realize this has been launched today. Like it's been rumored, it's actually now out. It's available for pre order. It's out in June. I think it's interesting. But the interesting thing for me is that this drives up the prices of these things as well. So part of the allure of the you know the Google Home is I believe it's somewhere around 120 in the US. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of at you know disposable income levels if you've got decent income. 229 starts to be up there with you know should I buy this or should I buy a tablet? Do I do I want to spend 230 dollars to put something? dedicated on a desk but i think putting a camera in there is, is probably a good move if they can get around the, the privacy sort of side of things because it is kind of cool to be able to hey i want to you know see what's happening in this room or i just want to video call someone or stuff like that yeah supposedly you have the ability to even if you can only uh, you can only receive a video call from people that you've approved for getting video call the that sort of peak i think they call it the peak into or the look look into drop in i think they call it drop in thank you where you're basically dropping in unannounced you can cancel that if you if you get to the device or give it a voice command within 10 seconds they won't be able to see anything um i i it's interesting the little tweaks you can put into these things if i were designing this i would actually put like a mechanical orange shutter in front of the camera just a little slider just that just puts a puts an orange piece of plastic in front of the lens so you can just glance over there especially if you've got it on your nightstand <laughs> it's like <laughs> i want to make sure that no matter I, i'm very i'm very sure that amazon takes security seriously i'm sure that it is as difficult to hack into as anything can possibly be but given the things that happen in <laughs> in my bedroom i want to be able to 
<laughs> I want to be able to just glance over and see if I see orange up at the top there. It means that even if someone has hacked into the micro microphone and the uh, and the and the camera, at least there's no way for photons to bounce around in this room and go back into that lens. There, there's a Kickstarter idea somewhere in there, Andy. So someone's running that with that right now. The, the video is being prepared. I, no, I I tend to agree with you because I've worked at a lot of tech companies and I know. A lot of them take security very, very seriously. And I'm sure Amazon, you know, Google and Apple and Microsoft do as well. But it's it's often the priority to to get things shipped, to get, you know, technology in there, to get all the features you can. It, I I hate to say it, but that's often in front of security. Like security is a big concern. You plan for it. You you, know, you do everything you can. But the, the pressure from management is always about what features can you ship? What date can we hit? Can we get these out on June 28th? So sometimes you miss things. Yeah. Well, you, at some point you have to trust the company. I I'll, I would say that number the the number one company I would trust is Apple, not only to, to take it seriously, but <gasps> also not, show, to, not to screw it up. On a Google yeah, show, yeah. Well, oh. Google's number two. It's <laughs> not that. It's it's the thing is, Google. I don't know how to put it. It's not that. It's not that they don't. They, it's not that they don't take it as seriously as Apple does, but. Apple knows that part of their brand, part of their way to fight against competitors is to say that we take pri- we will we are willing to annoy you. We are be- with uh, the level of privacy that we are attaching to your data. We're willing to make things more difficult for you the user if it means taking better care of your data, if it means that we don't even have the ability to recover the data that you lost because as soon as we were done with doing the transaction you asked us to do with it, we immediately got rid of it. So that even we don't know what it is. And of course, Facebook, I don't even have the number that's low enough to reflect how much I trust Facebook to keep to keep my information private. They didn't, didn't they, I think last, uh, a few days ago or last week, it was made public that they were selling lists of like mopey teenagers or teenagers who were like having emotional problems or, or, or sad teens. <laughs> that's, that's the point where I... I'm not going to say that I'm shocked. My 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 monocle has not not flopped out of my face and landed in my martini. I I would believe if that were if that were multiple choice question, I would get that question uh, the answer right, guessing that it is Facebook. So yeah, I wouldn't under no circumstances would I allow a camera attached to Facebook no, to be anywhere. No, definitely anywhere. not. I'm the same. I don't even have their app installed. I think right at the bottom of Me the neither. the trust heap would be Uber, and somewhere above Uber would be Facebook, but not <laughs> not a huge amount. I mean, I'd, I'd trust them not to you know have scandalous you know things happening at their company maybe, but yeah, privacy wise, I don't know. To me, it, it's weird. I trust Apple's management more than Google's, but I actually trust Google's engineers. I think they. Personally, I think they have better engineers in all the security side of things and the, especially the web service side of things. But I do think Apple's management definitely has that push for, you know, privacy, privacy, privacy. And it's, I don't think it's just a marketing thing. Like I think it helps them in the marketing department, but I think they that's one of their core philosophies as well. I can't remember which senior executive it was, but he was asked for comment on how, how do you think about what do you feel about uh, the Amazon Echo and the and the Google uh, Google Home and that's and that sort of stuff. And uh, they said, I don't. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah, that was Phil Schiller recently. Phil, of course. Uh, Anything, anything that there's something kind of silly coming out of Apple in a public statement. My first guess should be Phil Phil Schiller. (laughs) Um, He did. He did once leap off uh, some tall thing onto like a. uh, I'm trying to remember. He was on. He was about two meters off the ground, and he leapt onto like a trampoline style thing with his with his laptop once. I don't know if you remember that. 
Yep, I remember that. He, he's also he's also the one who gave us that it's an act of courage that Apple is going through by deleting the the phone jack from the the headphone jack from the iPhone, and also the after introducing the uh, the Mac Pro, the uh, the Quaker Oats box cylinder Mac Mac Pro that nobody really liked. <laughs> after yeah, see, look at this, can't innovate my ass. Oh, like, so yeah, that's I was I, front row I think, for him saying that. It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out to be was, so ironic, though. Ah, oh, Phil, your words are going to come back yeah. together. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, he's. I think he's the vice principal of Apple, where the, the you, <laughs> you you make sure that the principal is always the nice guy, always the lovely guy. The vice principal is if he's a man, or even if he's maybe if if, if uh, they're a woman, has the crew cut, has the severe, ill-fitting suit. The one who like is asking you, like, did I see you in the hallway yesterday? Why why weren't you in class? Like I'm, I'm gonna call your I'm gonna call your parents make sure that they know why you were in your class. So I I think that's they they have they have assigned roles in the in the presentations. Yeah, I think they definitely do. But I'll tell you what, Andy, there is, there is a company I do trust. We have pretty much all of our service structure infrastructure with these people, and that is Linode. Linode gives you fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can set up in just seconds. They have easy to understand tools that let you choose your resources and Linux distro, giving you the power and flexibility you need. And their plans start at just $5 a month. So that gives you a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in their cloud. Um, and you might think, oh, you know, do, do I get support with this? Am I kind of left out on my own? So yes, Linode has over 400,000 customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. Uh, you can email them, you can call them, you can even IRC chat in the Linode community. Uh, if you need help, Linode are there for you. They have comprehensive guidance and support document code support documentation to teach you everything you need to know and setting up all your virtual servers. And I've taken advantage of this. You know, sometimes you're like, uh, how do I configure Nginx to this one specific thing? Generally, Linode will have a guide for it somewhere. Uh, Linode's control panel is nicely designed with a focus on ease of use and simplicity. And in just a few clicks, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. You can de- deploy servers, you can take down servers, you can move them to, to different data centers. It's all available through their interface. Um, so it's the full package for your infrastructure needs. They have the power you require as well as the infrastructure and assistance you want. So if you're thinking this sounds like your kind of thing or you know someone who you know might be into this, Again, one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month. You can go all the way up to 16 gigabytes for $60 a month. And their new two gigabyte plan includes 30 gigabytes of storage for $10 a month. So you want to go to linode.com slash material, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash material. And you'll not only be supporting us, but you get $20 towards your first Linode plan and a seven-day money-back guarantee. So nothing to lose here. Go to linode.com slash material to learn more sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit or if you're already in the checkout process material 2017 is the checkout code you want to use and we want to thank Linode for being a long-time sponsor of this show and Relay FM. Thank you very very much. Now uh, we're fi- we're hearing a lot more about fuchsia. I'm not sure we're hearing about how to pronounce fuchsia but I'm choosing to pronounce it fuchsia. The uh, new the new mobile operating system that we first actually that uh, uh, that Google first started working on in 2016. We first they first started posting uh, code on GitHub, I think, uh, shortly after that. But they didn't exist in, before 2016. Uh, but there's a lot of new stuff apparently to talk about. Uh, both uh, Ars Technica had a really good breakdown of what's new. Remember last year, uh, they, if you built what was on GitHub, all you got was a command line to prove that yes, this is functioning code and not an Easter, not an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> uh, and uh, but uh, so now there's actual buildable code building an app that does stuff. 
Um, Ars Technica had a good breakdown of what's on GitHub right now, what's uh, what's changed, and a lot of the big picture stuff. Uh, I'm not sure, but I bet that part of it was a nudge, a really great nudge uh, from uh, developer Kyle Bradshaw on uh, on the Hotfix site. I think that Kyle had this first uh, because uh, he posted this really good blog post, How to Build Fuchsia Armadillo for Android. Armadillo is the uh, user name of the user interface for uh, this new operating system, mobile operating system. Uh, but it's also the app apparently that you will build <laughs> the executable thing you can build and install on android according to kyle's instructions and uh, uh, ours has a, a good piece about it today uh, kyle posted a really great uh, blog post uh, how to build the fuchsia armadillo for android a few days ago uh leading off with a with a with the sentence uh, while it may seem from other articles that fuchsia is shrouded in mystery this is in fact not the case google has been showing their work publicly it's merely shrouded in laziness as most don't want to devote the time to build or organize and compile the code so so <laughs> he was nice enough think, to Kyle. exactly so although he's absolutely right it's like no he's, they've been post google has been posting their code and anybody who wants to check it out can can compile it uh, and so he uh, did this really great article here's exactly step by step by step how to do it with not not a lot of details because he figures that you're going to build it and you'll be able to check it out yourself but the uh, real uh, the real gravy is the readme file that's in the github repository uh, and also he was nice – Kyle was uh, also nice enough to uh, post a video to YouTube of what uh, Fuchsia will look like in action or at least the code they've got finished. And it looks really, really – between the readme file that explains some of the philosophy, method, methodology, and resources of the operating system and a look at this – absolutely preliminary it doesn't do anything it just simply shows a lot of the machinery in process but gives you the slightest little taste of what this could be like really gets me excited about what this could be i'm sure you've checked it out by now yeah yeah i definitely have so the interesting thing about this is linux goes back a long way like you can argue about the whole linux is not unix thing but this is not a a developer show so we're not going to get into that but it it goes back you know many many decades and i I guess you look at it and to keep it super simple, like Linux has the concept of, I guess you call it like a monolithic kernel. Everything is in this one kernel and to to update anything or, you know, if anything goes wrong, you know, it's all inside that one module. And that, that has caused Google some problems in the past. There's a whole bunch of rumors about, you know, how far they can support with, with Qualcomm chipsets and, and stuff like that just due to having to update, you know, this kernel thing. So... Future is kind of the opposite. It's it's intended to be like a whole bunch of little microkernels that you sort of, you know, you, you build different modules together and you say this is how we want to build it. It's meant to be for a more modern world, I guess is what they're saying. You know, you have a decent amount of RAM, you've got super fast disks that you have access to, you know. These are things you didn't have when Linux was, you know, first being started. There was super slow disks, you know, compared to now. Even the RAM was was slow back then. So a lot of stuff has changed. The, the thing I'm not sure about is you've got, you've got the core operating system, you've got Armadillo, which is like the UI layer that, sits on top it's not quite like the whole gnome kde for those who are familiar with linux it's it's slightly different to that but the same sort of concept you've got a core layer you've got the the ui sort of layer on top it's interesting to see them work on this you know out in the open for me that the really interesting part is this does look like a more modern os it looks really cool you can tell that now they're starting to put user interface elements on the top of it and that's normally a sign that the stuff below it is fairly mature. You know, it takes a long time to get to the point where you know all the disk stuff's working, all the CPU access, all the access to the various chipsets that you're running on. Once you've got all that sorted and you're sort of up in the UI layer, that's a good sign that you you're kind of making good progress. The bit, the bit that's always confused me about this project is 
how much is this supported internally by Google and by which teams? Because if there's one thing I know about Google, it's there's a lot of teams working on a lot of different things and sometimes one team will win over another team and that team will get shut down and absorbed into you know, a particular team. I've heard stories so many times of there'll be two, not competing, but there'll be two very similar teams working on very similar concepts and at some point management will say this team wins essentially and then the other team will get absorbed into you know the winning team. So I don't know what kind of backing you know internally Fuchsia has inside Google and that's the part that really interests me. I've always thought of this as you've got a few PhD you know, type people sort of sitting around going, well, what would a future operating system look like? But it's starting to look like to me at least, Andy, that it's, it's a lot more serious than that. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it's kind of stunning to think about the whole reason for this existing. First of all, uh, there's a Fuchsia public IRC channel, and one of the developers, uh, Travis Geiselbrecht, I hope I hope I got that right, uh, told the chat room. This is according to the Ars Technica article, and this is a quote: uh, "The operating system isn't a toy thing. It's not a twenty percent project. It's not a dumping ground of a dead thing that we don't care about anymore. It really seems like something that they are pushing along with the knowledge." that android when you think about it android was developed without any knowledge of the, without any knowledge of the iphone even when it was when it started out so it's base it's built on linux it's uh, it's got it's got java in it it's got uh qualcomm stuff in it it's got stuff that's uh, that's owned by oracle and as we talked about i think last year linux it's really old kernel and like you said it was developed without even being able to imagine especially except maybe in a dungeons and dragons sort of way where you can imagine you know flying horses and shooting fire out of its nose but without having any idea of what computing would be like in 2017 and the whole uh, the so this is the idea of building an entire new operating system from the ground up not even not even keeping a bolt or a, or a screw or a nut from android with full knowledge of what a mobile device is in 2017, what people use them for, what kind of hardware you have access to when you're building a mobile device, it's pretty. It's pretty exciting, uh, and it's you, you look at it, and it's uh, not only does it kick out anything that that has been done before. So again, lo, lo, no no Linux, no Java, again nothing that you need the the, uh, the open source license for, but also that they're uh, optimizing it for. Th- everything that they do in house so they know that the uh, material design is going to, is the future of the the this, the the present and the future of of Google interface design so they're building it from the ground up to make sure that it has the resources to make material design look really really great so it can do things like drop shadows without uh, and uh, drop shadows and transitions without taxing the CPU uh, all that much uh, it's built on uh, the flutter sdk which i'm sure you you're more knowledge about than i am cuz all, all i know is what i've read about it uh, but it's a cross-platform code project so that theoretically you could write code in Flutter and then deploy it on Android or iOS. Uh, uh, Flutter apps, according to ours, are written in Dart, which is Google's version of JavaScript. Uh, and so, so there. And the other thing is, it's optimized for 120 frames per second apps. Uh, and a special uh, Vulkan-based graphics renderer called Escher uh, that lists volumetric soft shadows as one of its features. Again, getting back to, there's going to be lots of animation that guides you through the interface, not just simple flash, but to keep your hand, in, keep your head in the space of. I know that you're looking at this piece of data, but now we're moving from this little notification card into the app that will let you manipulate it and we want to make sure that conceptually you you see the connection between those two 
it's pretty damn neat. And also the, the basic concepts that it's, it's hard to, I have to admit that I saw, I saw Kyle's video. I, I was making notes as I went and then I read the readme file. I really, rec we'll have the link in the show notes. I really recommend that everybody reads the readme file. It's actually very, uh, very English oriented. Uh, developers will understand it really, really well. Non-developers will at least get the gist of it uh, because that's only, that's only when I really understood what the video was showing me. Uh, for, well, first of all, it show it show the a screenshot. It starts off with a screenshot of armadillo, which is a post-it note with a very not really well drawn picture of an armadillo. So, okay, good. So <laughs> we're we're still at the point in the project where people have a sense of humor about it, but it really does. I mean, check me on this. It does. It feels like part of the modern modernology of it is to almost make the idea of an app irrelevant. Because it seems like the concepts that they explain in the README and the concepts you see in the video is that if there's a piece of data that's being generated by an app, other apps can get it and manipulate it and do things with it without necessarily knowing where that came from. If there is an action you can perform on the app or a notification or something that the phone can help you with, once again, it can help you do that without necessarily knowing that you just went into the Facebook app to reply to this message. All you know is that your Aunt Gladys sent you a picture and you wanted to bunny ears on it and send it back so it doesn't know you don't know so the the phone doesn't really know or care that you went into a photo app to add this all it did all it did was here do you want to add parameters to this and do you want it to send to this person go ahead so it really you really feel like you're you're at the cusp of something breathtakingly new yeah you, you really do andy uh I don't want to bring us down to earth. I hate to be that person that's like, well, actually, if you think no, about this. No, I, like, I like it up here. I like it up here in <laughs> fantasy land before something <laughs> is real and can let me down, like like, like this Google relaxation Yeah, so here's, here's my one concern. This all looks really cool. I have to say the, the UI stuff looks really uh, cool. The fact that they've um, paired it with Flutter, you talked about this you know, just before, um, that's, a, that's a tech preview from Google and it does appear to be like a new, a new way of building UIs. And this is where, as a developer, a few little flags start getting raised because I don't know if you've been in the tech industry long enough, you've seen people like Apple, people like Microsoft try and reinvent their OS with like brand new like kernel, brand new user interface, brand new this. And the problem is by the time some of this stuff gets to market, it's a lot of the brand new stuff is gone. Like Microsoft had that whole relational you know, data model thing for brand new way of building OSs. It, it was in development for years. It never materialized. You know, We still have Windows 10, which is kind of loosely based on on you know Windows NT, so my concern is that this is almost a step too far. I don't know how far ahead Google is planning, or even if they do have you know a planned sort of upgrade strategy for things like their their mobile platform or Chrome OS. Like maybe it's too early for that. I don't know, but the the difference between the two is is so great that I can't see them going to developers in a, a year or two years and saying, "Hey, time to rewrite everything you've ever done in in this new brand <laughs> new thing." Like I just I don't think that's a, that's a great go to market strategy. And I, I know Google knows that as well. So that's that's the part I find really interesting is you go from all these super great concepts, you know, high and lofty, 120 frames per second, you know, cross-platform, uh, all this other stuff, and you combine it with where we are today. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see a direct line between there and here. And that's the part that's really interesting is how, they, how are they going to, if they do transition to this, like how, how would it even happen? 
Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I'm old enough to remember what Apple went through when they were trying to, when they realized that the operating system they started off with in 1984 was not going to give them the future because it couldn't even multitask and it kept crashing all the time. And they had a really well thought out strategy. We're going to have the, we, our new operating system is going to be called Copeland. And here's our transition strategy. And here's where, how we're going to have these blue boxes and these other compatibility boxes. And it died, A, because it was a struggling Tech on a tech basis, they were struggling with it, but also because there was just a lot of political stuff going on that simply said that once Steve Jobs sort of went from <laughs> banishment to the land of ghosts and winds to the the man on the man in black in the big cowboy hat galloping from the horizon and looks like a mirage until he gets bigger and bigger in frame. They started going to, well, why don't we just buy a brand new operating system? And even that was a fight between is it going to be BOS or is it going to be Steve Jobs operating system from from next? And so really all that work that was done on Copeland got thrown away because they said, well, let's just adapt next op- next step to work this way. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. But uh, I, I this is this is but I'll say that it, this is <laughs> why you love this state of this stage of a prog- of a project where you can be in this tiny, tiny little cluster of offices doing nothing but saying, if you wanted to build the operating mobile operating system of the future, how would you go about it? And at this point, nobody is knocking on your door saying, hi, I'm from the marketing team. We want to make sure that this will work with the medical market. Another person, well, no, the medical market isn't, isn't as important as the educational market. And another team is saying that we would really like to put all of these 83 developers that we just kicked off of this project onto your project and they have a much different different view of how we can no we can we can just update android and save ourselves all this trouble so you're absolutely right but it's you just, again you look at the description of how this is supposed to work uh, they don't even they don't even necessarily say call anything an app i don't think the word app appears anywhere in the readme uh, they have this things called stories stories <laughs> that, and widgets i think are the, the two stories things the stories uh, there are uh, uh, if you look at it you will be looking at the, the best thing you can compare it to is it kind of looks like a google now sort of scroll of cards and there are uh, there is a type of uh, a type of uh, data called uh, called now uh, which is responsible for displaying user interface related to the user's current context as well as having an affordance for user and device settings so Basically, here's a piece of news. Here is an alert. Here is what's going on. Uh, apps are the apps look like they're called stories. Uh, individual apps presented as notification style cards. Uh, if you in the demo, the only thing that's identifiable is email, and so you there's story email. Not not that you're, <laughs> you're not that there's not that this is uh, you would ever see this if it were actually shipping, but just for for developers. Uh, and you you can drag it around. You can uh, do split screens. You can group individual stories so to speak together into clusters so that if ye if these three or four cards that represent pieces of data or things you things you can do to that data seem to be related like i don't know like uh, i'm going on a trip to new york so i've got my amtrak stuff i got the method i'm going to use to pay for it i'm going to have my personal calendar and i've got the amtrak schedule i don't have to scroll 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 up and down based on the time in which i last used this piece of code or needed this data i can just cluster them together so everything i need related to how do i get from boston to new york city is sort of clumped together in the same place i'll i, I don't i'll i'll point you to that uh, that uh, people to that read instead of going through the whole list but it was i this on in the show notes 
it started off as this like eight or nine or 10 pages, it seems of like just notes and things that I thought I understood. But by the time I was reading about this for an hour or two, it just seemed really, really clear what they were getting at, even though I'm not a developer, so I don't really understand it, but I think I understand what they're trying to get at. And it really made me wish that Apple were doing something similar. I'm not, I'm not talking about Fuchsia. I'm talking about let us show you something that we're working on that represents in an ideal universe what we would like the next version of iOS to be, be or even not the next version of iOS, but the replacement for iOS to be. It's really exciting, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't want to be a huge downer because there, there has been successful projects, you know, as as big as this. I mean, probably the, the closest thing in recent times was the development of Swift inside Apple. So it started off with with one person, Chris Latner. He's like, I want to make a new language and I want the I want my dot matrix printer to start printing stuff. Um, I, he's like, you know, I want to make this new language. These are all the things I wanted to do. And that, I mean, you might think, oh, language, you know, big deal. But that is a huge undertaking, you know, all the infrastructure that goes behind that and whatever else. And what happened is slowly he got more and more adoption inside the company until, you know, five or so years later, boom, you know, you're at a WWDC and Apple's like, here's a brand new language fully supported by the company. So it it is possible to get something like this off the ground. I guess the other encouraging sign is perhaps that Google hasn't shut down all the PR around this because what will often happen is a big company, if one of these you know projects gets up and, and people are like, why is this in the, all the press? You know, it's getting a lot of marketing. If if they don't want that to be the case, I'm sure they have ways of shutting it down. So the fact that it's you know getting all this press and it doesn't seem to be any official response from Google saying like, no, 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 we're not working on this. That that's a good <laughs> sign. Please, please buy your Android phones right now because we're not replacing <laughs> it with anything. But that's that, that's a good point. I, I know of, uh, in addition to Swift, I know of a couple of other technologies inside of Apple that the reason why the people the people who were championing it, the reason why they were successful was because they got the company to use this. I know that uh, Sal Sagoyan, the head of like uh, user automation inside Apple, his tactic was to get everybody inside Apple to to get the account. Every time the like the the accountants needed something done, he would write apple scripts and and automator actions to get it done and over and over and over again so 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 many people would be saying if there was any suggestion that okay is a time to get rid of apple script inside mac os someone someone is like the, sweeping the floors and oh you can't get rid of apple script that's how i do all my scheduling I, i'm gonna have to hire somebody to do that for me so it, maybe at that points to a way that uh, that Fuchsia could become uh, something that actually becomes real if it becomes if the people who are writing it right, working on it internally right now get it to a point where it's actually a usable alternative operating system and as it is you can install it on current Android devices if it becomes a sort of thing where no it's not officially supported but it's but a lot but boy every time I have a meeting with somebody at Google it seems like they've got two phones and they spend most of their time using the phone that has this weird operating system that hasn't gotten like a golden master release if it becomes something like uh where developers use it a lot because they like it and they use it and not even not even like you're, you you create a version of uh, of pocket cast uh for like commercial release but you're, you you like fuchsia so much and you really would like you realize there are only four things that you need on your phone and your own podcast app is one of them why don't i just write support for <laughs> for our tool inside this <laughs> and you share it with your other friends and suddenly it becomes a sort of thing where everybody knows about this it's, it's like the it's like the 500 
thousand uh, uh, dollar uh, supercar that no, it's not for everybody, but a lot of people know it and thinks it's great. And if they have it, they want you to see how great it is, and you'll think it's great. You know, you can't use it yourself, but you want this technology inside your own device too. So yeah, as long as it's not there's a there's a launch deadline. It's going to be a big dog and pony show. We're gonna have skydivers coming into to Google <laughs> I/O you, using Fuchsia to get get to get the landing point. If it can be one of those little groundswell of support things, yeah, I hope so. I, I I just if if you if you work on this team and you're listening, I'm saying go 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 go. I just I'm really keen to see more of this. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You don't you don't want these kind of projects to be to be squashed. You know, when they, when they're so young and new and fresh and like full of cool ideas. <clears throat> the one thing though is if you do work on this project. I, I do wonder how politically you navigate the whole, you know, is this a replacement yeah. for Android? Is this a replacement for Chrome OS? Because I do remember not that long ago there was a blog post from someone on the Fuchsia team who was like, you know, Android sucks at color management. How could we do color management better? And that blog post actually got a, a direct response from someone inside the Android team, you know, Romain Gui, who was like, well, actually, you know, have you seen Android O? Like it's actually really good color management. And I, that does seem like a kind of thing where those two teams definitely aren't working together. I'm not saying they should work together that's probably a bad idea but there should be probably more cross-team you know communication that so you know stuff that's coming up in android they know things that are coming up in fuchsia maybe that drives a bit of the development and you end up somewhere you know potentially where this could replace you know android or chrome os or or something new it could be something brand new yeah it's it's, it's certainly super anti-productive if you have if you have two teams that feel as though team A is going after team B's jobs and team B I mean that's that's part of why the Russians uh, the Soviets lost the the race to the moon because there was political stuff going on where you have one t- well instead of putting all of our money and all of our science on one like rocket platform uh, why don't we just have two different but for political reasons we'll have this guy who's who's got connections we'll have him do some of do his own thing and this other team will do their own thing and yeah they were fighting each other and so as a result they they've got a, a couple of launch pads that are f- fused planes of glass instead of <laughs> monuments to uh, cultural <laughs> achievement <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Fuchsia team. I don't know why we as podcasters are giving you advice, but I think it's good advice. You just take it. And also, I'm sure there's a few people listening to this podcast somewhere inside Google. If you want to send us tips, anonymous or otherwise, about you know what's going on with this project, materialpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure your employer has no way of tracking uh, Gmail addresses, so you, you'll be fine. And when that when you, wouldn't the thing to show off your code the best be brand new Pixel phones? Hmm. I, I I mean I've 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 got the five X, but I'm sure you don't want the code on you know on just running on that little you know little squiggly two gigabytes of of, of RAM. Come on, <laughs> I'm looking after you. Exactly, it's, it's 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 all for you guys. So we probably should move on, Andy. We we do have a second sponsor, and it's another returning sponsor. It is Squarespace. And this episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code Material at checkout to get ten percent off your first purchase. So make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea uh, with a unique domain name, award-winning templates and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, portfolio, blog. It's the all-in-one platform that lets you do all that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades. Uh, you don't need to worry about any of that stuff. You know, Squarespace has you covered. Uh, award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need it. They let you quickly and easily grab the domain name that you want and all those templates that are talked about, beautifully designed, drag and drop, you know, you can set up your website. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, uh, but you can start your trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. 
when you decide to sign up, use the offer code material. Like I said, you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support towards this show. So we want to thank Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Now we have I got some some old some new news that should be old news. I'm surprised that YouTube is finally getting a material design redesign. And I thought, well, why don't you if you if you've got this new UI called Material Google, why would you not have like one of your biggest landmark <laughs> apps get it almost immediately? Why would it take what two is that two years ago that Material was uh, uh, was it N or no? It's gonna be it's gonna be three this M. year, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, why is or maybe I'm misunderstanding what is meant by <laughs> material redesign. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget the unveiling of material design, Andy, when we were sitting there. The video that they made for it was so out of this world that we thought they were bringing you know haptic feedback and a whole bunch of other things to to Android. It turns out it was just different planes and shadows and stuff. I say just, it, it was a great sort of design language. So I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's also interesting that YouTube is. That they figured out what the kids want, right? So if you want to get people to upgrade an OS, emoji, that's a great way to go. If you want to get people to switch to a new design of a website, you give them another theme. And YouTube has now a dark theme that, <laughs> that comes as part of this redesign, which I think is genius. You know, someone who makes apps, I can tell you that if you want people to whine about any sort of re UI redesign, just move some stuff. And if you move some stuff, <laughs> people will whine. But if you give them another theme and move some stuff and they can focus on the theme part, Genius. It's absolute genius. No, I think it is cool. They've designed it in one of their new sort of um, web frameworks, Polymer, I believe it is. It's it's more responsive and more clean and has, you know, multiple themes and stuff like that. You you expect with websites that they're always moving like this, but I, th I think it looks good. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that this might be, I've just, I've just updated my app. I just saw that there was a new, there's a new version of YouTube. I can't remember. I rarely use YouTube on my phone. I usually, I use it all the time on my, uh, on, for, on for my those playing devices. back home, Andy has a trillion notifications over the top of his phone. Oh God. That's what that's. Yeah, I know. <laughs> At least his battery's like, not flat. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. I, that, that That's always the thing that every time that uh, I do a screenshot uh, from my phone, I post it to Twitter since most of my followers are Apple people <laughs> like, Ugh, look at all those notification icons. So yes, I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely on board with you that there is this, it, it doesn't distract me, but it doesn't inform me either. So I just typed clear all and let's see how long it takes for more than oh, two. There you go. Uh, yeah. So we already outlook has, has uh, oh, is, is now updated oh now it's gone okay but okay now, here, now here's gmail who wants to say that oh even though he doesn't really use the gmail client okay so, so for our listeners that have any sort of nexus or pixel device running the official google os's on there i will give you a, a super pro tip this is this is like we're down crazy rabbit holes now but if you long press on the settings cog up in the notification shade until it starts to spin It'll get a little um, wrench next to it, which is the most Google thing ever. And then you have access to something called uh, something like UI tuning. or System, like. system UI tuner. System yeah. UI tuner. And this has my favorite feature of all time in there is you can actually turn off um, notification icons. So if you always have your alarm on and like me, you don't want to see that you have an alarm on because you're like, it's always on, you can actually flick that off. So the alarm stays on, but the little icon goes away. You can also do stuff like... There you go, Andy's found it. System UI Tuner, there's a thing in there called Status Bar. Um, you can do a whole bunch of cool stuff in there. So if you're a fan of clean status bars, and I know that you know some people in the tech industry, they some people want them, some people don't, you can configure it in there. It's great. 
yeah, there's got uh, uh, sliding switches for a whole bunch of things to say, please don't put this stuff in the in the yeah. menu bar. So there's uh, work profile, cast, hotspot, Bluetooth, do not disturb, volume, Wi-Fi, Ethernet. Yeah, I, I had that. Uh, yeah, you can also turn on and off uh, auto screen rotate. Yeah, I had that. If Also, if you, hold, if you hold it down and you already have it installed, it'll ask you if you want to remove it. And instinctively, I knew that, no, I don't want to remove it. I'm sure there's a reason <laughs> why I put that in there. Yeah, the Bluetooth so, one is my favorite one because if you're like me, Bluetooth is always on and it's always connected to something. So showing that your Bluetooth is connected is not super useful. So I just turn that icon off. I'm like, oh, I don't need to see it. Yeah. I wonder if is it is it possible to we'll, – we'll, we'll get back to YouTube in a sec. But uh, is, is it possible to <laughs> – I, I, I know that you can control notifications just in general. But can you say that I never want to see notifications from X app – uh, it's it's okay for it to tell me that oh by the way your house is burning down but I don't want the the Nest app to have a notification saying hi did you know that there's a special Mother's Day sale on <laughs> so so in general I don't need a, a mini icon I I would I can't you know I can't think of many apps that would mind uh, a mini icon for like okay now it's now it's, it's now showing me that there's some app is asked for location services for about half a second. So that's useful. I, I like the hardware ones. I don't necessarily need the software ones. Maybe I maybe I could even get away with having no software alerts at all in the in the menu bar. Because you're right. It's, as soon as you get more than three, you train yourself not to even pay attention to it. <laughs> Unless you're my co-founder, Philip. I, I found this out the other day, Andy. So you know how most of us potentially use a service like Twitter or Facebook. Twitter, in my case, um, you, you open the app and you scroll through the timeline. You know, you've chosen a set of people to follow. You see what's going on. You, you jump in, you jump out. Um, Phil does this exclusively from the notifications area. So he set it up so that every time one of the very few people he uh, follows tweets, he gets a notification and I'll go to a coffee shop with him in the morning and I'll just see him scrolling his notifications. And this is how the guy reads Twitter. I just, I find this uh, incredibly interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so many, it's, uh, I wish that, uh, I, I still love Android, I, I love iOS, but I I have to, uh, at some point, run a, like a little timer, a little meter on how much time I spend on what should be required maintenance, but I'd never get around to it. Like, if if this if these notifications are annoying me, there is a feature, you know, Andy, where you can adjust the notifications so that they don't annoy you. Or you could just keep complaining about it forever. And maybe that's it's okay for me, but maybe some of our listeners don't have a podcast where you can com you can convert complaints about how your phone is running into discretionary income. I uh, Russell and I do have that outlet. No, maybe you, you folks don't. Uh, but I've, I also also while just skimming through my settings here, notice that there is 180 something apps, 185 apps installed. The last time I did a clean out, I realized that I only need 80. So I don't know where these other 100 apps have come from. So it's probably I'm probably getting close to the moment where I'm going to have to just reset this to factory settings, reload everything. Not because not 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 even because that's the only way to solve problems, but sometimes the only way to really decide if an app is necessary or not is to walk out of the house with lots of available data on your data plan. <laughs> and every time you need an app, you simply download and install that app and find out that, oh, two weeks later I went from 185 installed apps to nine. Yeah. Or, All or, right then. Or Andy, if you use your discretionary income, or in this case, your company's income in my case, to buy a new phone every few months, I start clean every time because there is, there is something refreshing about oh, that. You too. start with a clean OS, you're like, oh, uh, I need Slack, so I install Slack. I'm like, oh, I need Twitter, so I install Twitter. Like, there is something cool about, you know, kind of building that list of apps again. I know that's not for everyone, but for me, 
if, I don't know, there's something liberating about starting on a brand new phone. You know, you choose the wallpaper, you choose what you want on your home screen. You're like, that's it for now. I'll add apps as I go. And, and I find like you, like sometimes there'll be 20, 30, 40 apps that I just won't install six months later. I'll be like, oh, I didn't need any of those. Yeah, I, I, that's, I have never, ever uh, set up a new MacBook and simply say, yes, please copy all my apps and data from the old one because it's exactly like that. You wind up, you've, <laughs> you wind up with finding uh, like 180 gigabytes of storage and not missing anything that you don't have on there just by saying, anytime I need an app, I will download that app. Anytime I need a file, I will install the file. Okay, well, the, 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 one, the one thing that screws that up is Dropbox because I will have to sync my Dropbox, Dropbox folder in. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole new battle of Gettysburg right there because I don't, I don't think I've ever cleaned out my Dropbox. So there are still things in there from five, six, seven, eight, nine years ago that have not been needed in years that I could probably get so much storage back. But the, but the cool, isn't the cool thing about Dropbox that like the number of times I've been in a hotel room and I'm giving a presentation the next day and I'm going through my slide deck for, for the last time, ha 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 ha. Then I realize, Oh, you know, it'd be great. Uh, like a, picture of like uh, those antique fire extinguishers that i saw at the mit flea market like 19 years ago and then i wonder oh there you go it's in my dropbox great because i've been careless and not cleaned anything out i've got every i've got every photo that i ever thought was even mildly interesting <laughs> available to me uh, on the brand new <laughs> macbook i had to buy because i poured diet diet dr pepper the keyboard of the perfectly good one that i brought to california with me Oh, I leave I leave all my junk in Dropbox for exactly this purpose. In fact, just recently I went on a trip where I had to give a presentation, and I don't know why I was in a, I was in a rush to get to this place, or whatever. So I had my presentation on a USB stick. I had my presentation on the laptop. I had it on my desktop though. I don't know what I was thinking. I have a presentations <laughs> folder in Dropbox. That's normally where everything goes. And predictably, this is how it always happens. Um, I left to to go to this place, and I left my la- uh, my laptop bag containing my laptop and the USB stick. How's that for backup? At my sister's house. Yes. And then I freaked out. I'm like, ah, I can't do any of this. I had to run back to, you know, her place to, to get this stuff. And luckily there was someone home to, you know, to open the door for me. But, uh, yeah, if I had I had Dropbox, which I normally always, always use, you can just – any computer, you can log in, you can grab it off the web even if you need to. So we're getting way down in the weeds, Andy. I noticed there's one last thing. No, no, no. This, the- is, this, is, this, is, this might be more interesting <laughs> than the material design of YouTube. So go, so go, go check out the app. It's more scrolly, scrolly. It's more user. That's fine. But no, I, I'm in I'm an almost a moral quandary because I am now paying for like four different piles of cloud storage because to keep my iPad backed up, I have to. I feel like I have to own uh, a oh, lot of storage. On, I'm, I'm paying the I'm paying the Apple tax. You're generous I've five got, gigabytes, Andy. I don't know why you'd ever need yeah, any more. Exactly for that great five <laughs> for that great four gigabyte iPad that they never made because they're not <laughs> that cruel. Uh, and I got Dropbox because that's where it's always been. I also have Google Drive, partly because I decided that wouldn't it be cool to have a mirror of my entire uh, audio library up on Google? And I forget what happened recently. Oh, and I also wanted to have. Uh, unlock, uh, please back up uh, uncompressed, un- unmodified versions of my pictures. Don't scrunch them back down, scrunch them down and make them tiny. Uh, and then I, st- I also did the same thing. When, when I got the uh, Amazon Echo, I also bought 100 gigabytes of storage on Amazon cloud s- storage because I liked being able to be in the kitchen and say, please, p- please play a-, a Joe Jackson album. Anyone will do. And I just, I really feel like if I were smarter, or if I felt if I were smarter, I would say, isn't Google Drive doing the job? Isn't it doing a lot of the work that a lot of these other services are 
do oh no, no oh i'm sorry now i now i remember i got the um this really good uh cloud drive player uh from the i think it was the same probably the same group that does rocket player and uh, it, it really is my favorite mus- music player in the world because it will of course will work with anything that's uh, that's local storage but if you if you have a, there it is called cloud player uh, and if you have i'm sure they're 1900 called cloud player the mine is the one that has a, an icon that looks like it's uh, uh, like a blue rounded uh, triangle uh, i'm looking in the get info to see if there's uh, is that the one from double twist yes yes exactly i'm sorry yes. double twist player from, right from, and, yeah from a great designer by the way sebastian dewith i assume you had something oh. to do with this it's it's a very material design that's one of the reasons that why i liked it but it's also it's just dirt simple if you've got a cloud storage uh, cloud storage you just simply point it to where that cloud storage is and suddenly it will be a cloud player for that source of music and i think that's that might be why i decided to buy more yeah exactly i think that's that's why i bought more uh, more google cloud storage because i it seemed to work best with uh, with google uh, but yeah, it's it's it really feels like I should even even if it's not even if it's only like ten bucks a month, it's not as though I'm the sort of tax bracket where I don't notice that <laughs> that ten dollars is gone. That I the the number of times where I've wanted to go out, the number of times I've been to Chipotle and I said no, I would not like guacamole with that because I feel like <laughs> I, I can I seven dollars for burrito, I can swing that ten dollars for gr- burrito with guac. I am not in that lot. I could have that three times if I were taking if I were not signed up for at least one of these services. Like do do you have all of these or do you have any of these or none of these? Like which would you have if you didn't work were a professional? Okay, if I wasn't a professional, I think I think my, my personal preference is Dropbox just because I've used it for so many years and I don't think it's ever let me down once. Like the the one weird oddity that it has if you try and edit the same file in two different places, you end up with two copies of it. You end up with the file, the last one you saved and like a conflicted copy, but they're both there. Like you never lose anything on I don't think I've ever had it lose anything. So all my stuff is in there. Um, I pay for Google Drive as well because I got into the whole photo storage thing. This was before um, Google Photos came out. So I have, I think, 60 to 80 gigabytes worth of photos and videos in there. That's basically every digital photo and some sort of analog ones that I've taken ever. So I have that. <laughs> I've I've never gone to OneDrive. Like Microsoft keeps – I have a Windows 10 machine that I use for gaming and every three months Microsoft is like, hey, you want to try OneDrive? OneDrive? What about OneDrive? And I'm sure it's great. I'm just like, no, I have, I have enough First services gig's in my free life. kid. <laughs> <laughs> and we use Amazon sort of S3 stuff at work but I've never tried that personally as like a, a storage sort of solution just because I have so many other options and I have huge you know disks these days. I just – I don't need somewhere else to put my files. So for me, yeah, Dropbox for all my files and then Google Drive for all my photos and then obviously documents and stuff as well go go into Google Drive. Yeah, it's 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 insane, probably because I just reminded myself that uh, I have a Synology NAS. Yeah, I've got one of those so too. I c- yeah, exactly. And there are already apps free on my phone that if I just wanted to, the, the music library and the video library that are already there in folders, I can just simply not pay anybody for cloud storage and just have it simply connect back to my NAS. But uh, but I'm stupid and I'm, I I bet I could find $300 a month I'm spending on like subscriptions to things that I forgot I subscribed to like 18 years ago. Oh, Andy, I have to tell you the most embarrassing story ever is I am an Amazon Prime subscriber. And if you live in the US, you're like, whatever, so am I, like everybody is. But 
I don't live in the US and Amazon doesn't deliver to Australia. They, they don't have things here at the moment. Apparently they're coming in 2018. So I literally pay, is it $60 a year? U- US dollars, you know, proper American dollars, which your currency just keeps going up annoyingly. Um, I pay that just so that the few times I go to the US, I can just be like, order, order, order. Um, I'll have those tomorrow. And that's that's the most first world thing ever. And to get the Amazon Echo to play music. I mean, that's not worth $60 a year, but I just pay it. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It's 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 a miracle to be in the United States where there have been this is these these are things I've actually done. I'll tell you this this one example where it's like, gee, I, I, I haven't my 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 trash barrels like I put out to the curb every week. They're, uh, last time I bought new ones were like ten years old. The old ones are kind of dirty and they're kind of ratty. I need new ones, and I, I mean, and I was actually in the in the hardware store with okay, yeah, this is the the, the husky, the big like eighty million gallon ones that I that I like. That I I literally was looking at these and saying but it's like i don't want to have to i'll have to like push the seats in my car forward to get them in there but what if i just i got amazon prime i will have them box up <laughs> these. it wasn't that wasn't even less money it was probably about the same amount of money with taxes included but it was like i'll have self for somebody to put these in a big big box big enough that four children could make a rocket ship fort out of this box so i'll only have to drag it from the front step into the house that's what you that's what uh, that's the most american use of this amazon prime service is that i just don't want to be bothered to push the seats in my car back forward i will instead kill several trees and waste lots of truck gas in order to make this happen for me uh, i will tell you there's not a lot of things i'm jealous of americans for because australia let's face it it's, it's a better country people sorry i've just offended a whole bunch of people but amazon on Prime no, is one you, of those you, things. You, you, you can de- you can defend that. I'm not I'm not I'm not agreeing <laughs> with you necessarily, but I'm saying that is a defensible position to have. Even your president said that we have better healthcare, but I'm not going on to that subject. Um, I, I will say I use it for the exact opposite, Andy. I was sitting next to someone having lunch in San Francisco. Um, I think it was last year or the year before, and he had this phone case that was absolutely amazing. I'm like, I have to have this phone case. Like, where did you get it from? And he's like, Oh, you can go to this store. You know. It, 10 minutes walk down the road or whatever, or here's the Amazon link. And I'm like, oh, Amazon link, there we go, delivered tomorrow, right. like done. And the store was only 10 minutes away. I'm like, eh, no, I could be bothered. Oddly enough, it was a fitness counter, <laughs> a fitness device. <laughs> We're, we're running desperately long, but one thing I wanted to mention, because we're probably not with a gala uh, Google I.O. preview show next week, a Google I.O. show next week and the gala show 100, we're probably not going to be able to talk about this before the Kickstarter ends. There's a really cool Kickstarter uh, for an unremarkable phone called the Jelly that cost 80 bucks or 95 bucks, depending on where you get the regular, the, the super deluxe version. But uh, it's got it's got a uh, TFT screen, quad-core CPU, dual SIMs. You could have, if you travel, you can have an international one and your regular domestic one, micro SD expansion storage up to 256 gigs, uh, eight megapixel and two megapixel cameras. I know you're thinking, oh my God, this is the most amazing phone in the world if <laughs> this were specs. 2009 or 2008. Uh, wait till you hear that it has a one gigabyte of RAM and eight gigabytes internal storage if you get the pro model for the extra 15 bucks two gigabytes of ram application ram and 16 gigs of storage but the big deal is that it's a tiny phone it runs android n it is a 4g phone but has a 2.45 inch screen and it will fit in like the watch pocket of your jeans if you're a dude and if you are not a dude it means that you can fit it into the regular pockets of your regular clothes that's been something that we've that's kind of collectively annoyed us and our co-hosts over the past 98 episodes that they don't there's no interest in making phones that are practical for small hands or small pockets 
uh, and it's a Kickstarter. They're already they were seeking like thirty, forty thousand dollars. They're now at like six hundred thousand dollars. Let me let me and let me be the the good news and the bad news simultaneously is that this this is not a bunch of like tech bros who have made like a CNC mock up that they hope to be able to figure out how to build over the next nine years. It looks like. Some folks in China found a distributor that was making something like this, and they just had, what if we will give you purchase order built to spec? So it doesn't look like it's going to be the next uh, the next iPhone or anything. But as an $80 phone that you can slip your SIM into when you are kind of pocket limited, it looks like an interesting thing to have like in, in, in on top of your dresser as an option. And I like the idea that, uh, a scr- a small phone with a small screen is getting some good attention because it really is something that has been needed by roughly 51% of the population and no one seems to be interested in doing anything but bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah, this thing looks really cool. And I know Kickstarter projects and, you know, they sometimes go wrong and things, whatever. But I, I do agree, Andy. This looks like they've already sourced a supply. I mean, they've already got, um, you know, a fairly famous YouTuber doing an unboxing and playing around with it. So they clearly have, you know, pre-production models, if not final models. So, for seventy nine dollars, this this is cool. If you're looking for you know a little little gadget to show off, or you do a lot of running, or you know you're a woman and your giant phone can't fit in any of your pockets, hey, this. I mean, it's it's probably not for the tech enthusiast. It's not the phone that you want to carry around, you know, twenty four seven and and do all uh, your I'm not sure, I'm web not sure browsing. It'll be a good e reader. Not no, sure if exactly. it'll give you the movie experience, but <laughs> but I tell you what, to have an internet connected phone where you could just do really basic stuff, and it's you know people try and do a lot on their Android Wear watches and their Apple watches and stuff like that bigger than a watch so it can do more than those <laughs> and it's less expensive but, but it's, it's not i don't i'm not sure that's going to be bigger than all android Wear watches that's a, that's a pretty big metric true but yeah i was i was uh so i'm pretty confident that they will ship in august when they promise that they'll ship because again it really does look like again they contacted an existing factory that builds phones for everybody and said okay i see you've got these small screens can you do one for us with these specs uh but i i was uh, i usually have a really i will i am the easiest touch in the world for like a creative project if you've got a comic book if you got a movie if you've got like an arts project or an education program you're trying to extend uh i don't even i will not even be aware that i am owed a hardcover copy of the book when it ships i just want to i'm an easy easy target for that when it comes to hardware i'm pretty much i'm always convinced that it will never ship or if it ships it will be one third of what they promised at four times the amount of time they needed in order to ship it but i got i was so tempted just to fork over the 80 bucks when i found out that in the in the frequently asked questions section of the kickstarter it can be used as a mobile hotspot and when you come to, when you come down to all I really need a phone to do, I need to get like uh, direct messages from Twitter. Uh, I need to get uh, text messages, and I need a mobile hotspot for times where I don't have access to free internet. And everything other than that, I can certainly do without. Uh, and given the situation in the world where if you cross a border particularly if you're coming home to an American border, you might be asked to, hey, unlock your phone and hand it over. It might be nice to have a phone where, no, there is, there, there isn't, sir, there isn't even any room on this for me to put anything. I, I have to, I have to put the first four digits of a phone number on it. Cause I don't, I can't fit all digits of the phone number. I just have to keep guessing until I actually hit it. Uh, it's, it's uh, I, I like the idea of having a second phone for a variety of reasons, and I came so close to forking over the eighty bucks for it for this one. 
Yeah, I'm almost over the edge, Andy. I, I mean, I know it's a frivolity. I'm not sure how often I'd use it. But to be honest with you, there are uh, Wi-Fi hotspotty things that cost more than this in Australia. So <laughs> even if you just use it for that, it's still an okay deal. Yeah. Now, see, now I've got that I've got that really bad voice in my head saying, but also, Andy, you could review it and it would be tax deductible and it would be a service to your readers. And I'm like, oh, don't do this to me. I've got the same. Andy, voice. Like, Russell, you, you have should, you should make sure this runs. Pocket Cast is a very small screen. Might not even fit on there. Hey, play me some tranquil, tranquil sounds. Here's the sound of an ocean. Oh, thank you. Already, I, I can feel myself not wanting to buy this. Thank you. It's, it's doing its job. I'm, the waves are washing over my little toesies. I am seeing porpoises play in the middle distance. I am not in Australia, so there's nothing in that water that's going to leap out and eat my head. <laughs> Andy, Andy, Andy. The great white shark is your friend. Fish are friends, not food. Okay. I'm in my peaceful, happy place. You can't, you can't bother me inside my peaceful, happy place. Your peaceful, happy place is very loud. I'm not, I'm not sure if Google gets the concept of calming music or sounds. I, I, I intentionally like jacked up the volume to make sure that we could all enjoy the sounds. I got so much freaking peace in this office, I've got more than I can deal with. I wanted to share my freaking peace <laughs> with everybody else. And who doesn't love freaking peace? So next week, uh, people, Google I.O., huge episode. Um, like I said, we'll try and get it out as soon as after the keynote as we can. Show 100 is literally the week after. We have some exciting guests line up for that. So in the meantime, Andy, we should probably wrap this show. If people want to go on the internet and find your amazing work, where do they go? Uh, all you got to do is spell my last name. I'm Anatko on Twitter, Anatko on Instagram, and my blog is at anatko.com. I-H-N is in Nancy, A-T is in Tom, K-O. Or you can go to the Chicago Sun-Times at suntimes.com. That's where I write about tech for money. Money. I am Rusty Shelf on Twitter. You can find our podcast at Material Podcast. Like I said, you can send us tips at materialpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find all the show notes and all the various links at relay.fm slash material. And that's it for this week. I'm super excited. Go, heading to US, uh, heading to the US next week. Thanks for the calming music. I'm going to need that on the way through immigration. But for Google O, super exciting. Just make, make sure you speak with a very, very heavy Russian accent. My name <laughs> Russell Ivonovich. I no. hear business, all it's, business, it's, no pleasure. It's like, having, it's like having an Irish last name in Boston Logan Airport security. Just whoosh right through. <laughs> Come, friend, enter our country. Ah, <laughs> uh, Andy. Here are, here are the web URLs of our political enemies. Please have it thee. <laughs> <laughs> so until next week, when it's Google I.O. listeners, stay calm. Play yourself some relaxing sounds. Just ask Google. There you go. I'm I'm calm the hell down right now. That was quite calming, actually. I have to admit. There you go. See that? See that? That that's what I was listening to like for an hour before the show. <laughs> and for a moment, Andy lived by the ocean, and it was great. <laughs>